I know my new friend and I are chatting up here. Uh, so Pastor Joel's going to come on up here in just a second, but there are two announcements. These are very important announcements, so don't miss these. If you are one of those uh, people who like to calendar your entire life, get your phone out. Don't miss this opportunity. Speak it out. Here. Oh, actually, I was going to try something. Sorry to take up a little extra time here. Hey, Siri, make a calendar item that would remind me that Christmas, we are not having church. Did I do that right? <laughs> that didn't come out as smooth as I pictured it, but did anybody's phone go? No, that was pathetic. Okay. Swing and a miss. All right. Hey, listen, there is no church on Christmas morning, but this is very important. We will be having church on New Year's Day, so don't miss out on it. Uh, and also, there is a jingle jammy jam coming up for the kids. I said it right. Oh, it's a tongue twister, but that's coming up on the 18th of December. Don't miss out on that. Jingle jammy jam for all the kids. If you were here last week, you got to see some cuties in pajamas. Uh, thankfully, Pastor Joel wore a jacket and not jammy, so thank you. All right compensated. All right. Uh, I, I am curious before we dig into the, the into the word this morning, I'm in the middle of a series, but is, I need to see hands, those of you that know, have any idea who the band Switchfoot is. I just need, okay, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good rec, representation. Uh, good, good deal. That's the, the lyrics, I don't know that I've ever heard the song, but the lyrics embody our series so well, the season of Advent, which is longing season of expectation so we're in week two this morning we're talking about peace everybody say peace, peace. that's what i like to hear right there you need me to hold up a peace all right hey let me dig into the scriptures this morning our passage is acts uh not acts uh, isaiah <laughs> i'm not even reading a passage from acts this morning isaiah chapter 9 beginning of verse 6 says for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end he he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever for the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this this is the word of the Lord. So uh, peace means uh, different things to different people. It even means something different in the scriptures. For, for a lot of us, when we think about the peace of Christmas, the season of peace, we can have a mental picture maybe of um, a, a Christmas carol that we've sung of little baby Jesus sleeping. And it's, it's so sweet. We sing the line sleep in heavenly peace and and I think even the line silent night he's he, there, there's no crying that he makes and it's and all the other babies are crying but not baby Jesus and it's his perfect and he's in this uh he's in this cave or in this barn and and um and there's all these animals around and it just smells delicious you know and um it's sweet and warm, and we just have these flowery, we can have these sweet feelings or thoughts about heavenly peace. When we think of heavenly peace, we think sweet Mother Mary is holding baby Jesus, and that baby doesn't cry. All of our babies cry, and we're up all night, 
And so we cannot relate to Mother Mary, apparently, because Jesus is perfect. Although I don't really think that was the picture of reality of what really happened. But if we're not careful, we get a picture of heavenly peace that is different, really, than what the scriptures are trying to say. For, for most, peace means just maybe the absence of conflict. But the Bible refers to something that's greater in its place. It's, 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 it's bigger than that. It's larger than that. So the word for peace in the Old Testament is shalom. Anybody ever heard the word shalom before? Look at the person beside you and say shalom. Good, y'all are with me. So shalom or peace just means complete or, or whole. It refers to uh, like a stone that doesn't have any cracks in it or doesn't have any holes in it. It's a, uh, like, like a stone wall with lots of pieces, but all of the pieces are intact. It, it, it refers to something real complex with lots of pieces, but all of the pieces are there. None of, none of them are missing. And so we started, uh, our family started a, a new Christmas tradition a couple years ago. And um, I, I, I talked about this before. It was, uh, it was a glorious tradition. I think it lasted one year, um, all of one year. And so uh, people have different traditions. You can, you know, I, we went around. We had a, a, a small group party here a couple of weeks ago, and people went around and talked about Christmas traditions. And it, it, somebody talked about decorating the tree and, and, and uh, sitting across from a nice warm fire uh, from a fireplace that worked. And, and people talked about that. And so, um, but we had one. We were going to start one. We were going to do a Christmas puzzle. All right, um, and I'm talking like we were going all in, like the house is decorated, like the family's there, we're going to sit there, we're turning off all the screens, like no TV, no phones, all the stuff, we're looking at a puzzle, we're going to do a puzzle, think like Hallmark 2.0, we are going to make it happen, and all the kids are super happy, and they're not bitter at us at all, and it's just a perfect, perfect scene, all right, you guys believe me? Yes, that happened, no. And so we're going to do a puzzle, and, and so we start the puzzle, we kind of get all the edges in there, and, and, and we're so excited, but... Also, during this season, we got a new dog, and that new dog was a puppy, and apparently still is a puppy, two and a half years later. And so uh, we, do the, we, we put the puzzle together, and uh, we get all the way to the end, and we kind of get to that point where we go, oh, well, we're, we're missing a couple of pieces. They must have fallen on the ground, right? off the coffee table. So we're digging on the ground. We're pulling up, looking underneath the rug. We're going underneath the couch. We're looking everywhere. We have lost the puzzle pieces. And then we find a handful of them, or should I say mouthful of them, over in the corner underneath the couch. And they are just disgusting puzzle pieces that are shredded to bits. And it was my terrorist new dog. And he has stolen the shalom of my house and the shalom of this puzzle. That is the picture of a puzzle lacking peace. And it is the picture that scripture gives us of what it means to not have peace. It's not complete. It's not whole. It's missing these pieces. So uh, the book of Job, Job refers to his tents that he's built being in a state of shalom because all the sheep are there. So he, he has all his sheep. So guess what? Everybody's there. Everybody's home. Shalom. Uh, Solomon brought the missing piece to the temple in the Old Testament. And so the scriptures refer to it as him bringing shalom to the temple because it was complete. Uh, in the Old Testament, if, you're, if your animal, so get this, this is important that you know this. If your animal destroys someone else's field, those of you guys have animals that destroy other people's fields, you bring shalom by bringing repayment to, these, uh, to, the, to the neighbor or to the people in full for their loss. 
And so the way you bring about shalom is you bring, uh, you repay them for the damage that your animal has brought. Or in Proverbs, to reconcile with somebody else is to bring shalom. So Israel's kings were supposed to be doing this. They're supposed to be bringing shalom, but they rarely did. So the passage in Isaiah that we just read looks forward to a day when God would send a peace of shalom, and this peace would know no end. There would be no end to it. So Jesus says it this way. He claimed to have a peace that was different than the world could give. John 14 says this. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. So what is the, what's the peace that the world gives? So Jesus lived within the rule at that time of the Roman, of the Roman Empire. In fact, it was right in the middle of what was known as the Pax Romana. Pax Romana is just a, 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 an era, a period of time, about 200 years, of what was known as the greatest era of peace or non-conflict that the world had ever known. And so Jesus is right in the middle of this. At least in regards to war, there just wasn't a, there just wasn't a lot of war going on close by at that time. And so here's Jesus standing in the middle of the era of the greatest peace telling everybody that is around, I actually have a peace, and it's greater than this. It's greater than what you've seen, or it's greater than what you've experienced. And the funny thing is that nobody really argued with him. Nobody was like, ah, oh, Jesus, but have you, have you experienced this peace that we are in right now in the Roman Empire? This is Nobody decided to argue with him. Nobody stood up and said, no way, Jesus, this is, the, this is the greatest it could ever get. They all knew, everybody knew that, because there, just because there wasn't a war on, the, on their doorstep at that moment, doesn't mean that everybody's living in shalom. The Apostle Paul, about 30 years later, says it in Philippians 4, he says, the peace of God, this is the peace that Jesus promises, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Look at that. Transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so what is this far superior, transcendent peace that only Jesus can give? So I'm, I'm kind of setting myself up for it because to, 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 to fail because this peace transcends all understanding. I'm about to walk through and try to help us all understand what the peace is that Jesus is talking about. You, you, you have this idea of peace, and you have this word that's so often used like a season of peace. We're in the season of peace. And you have this challenge because the challenge is, is that the way the scriptures use the word and the promise of peace is different than the way we've understood it or experienced it. And so the, the option is you can either replace that word, we can either make up a new word to use instead, or we can try and, and, and redeem it. And so for a lot of us in here, you, we, we're kind of on this, this peace or hope spectrum. And so we look and, and some of us think that maybe a few more decisions can be made you know, politically, and then, and, then, and then we'll be able to achieve lasting peace. Or, or maybe you say, you're in here and you go, there's absolutely no way in the world there's ever going to be lasting peace. And so wh wherever you are on that spectrum, the Bible actually has an outrageous claim, and the outrageous claim is this. It promises a greater peace than the world could ever give and that the world could ever know. That's the promise of peace. I went um, uh, years ago, 
I went to the movies. Anybody like going to the movies? Anybody still like going to the movies? You're like, I still go. Anybody, you're like, I gave that up three years ago, and I'm never going back, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I still go every once in a while. I went to the movies uh, years ago, and my very first 3D movie that I went. Now, 3D had been around for a while, but the movie, you go into the movie theater, and you put on the glasses, and I went to go see uh, the movie Avatar. So the movie Avatar in 3D. In fact, the, the sequel is about to come out, you know, whatever that was, you know, 13 years later, I guess. And, and uh, went to see uh, this 3D movie Avatar. I thought it was, uh, I mean, you don't, don't judge me. Um, well, you can. I don't care. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was so good. It was awesome. I was like this. Just like uh, a few years later, I say a few years, a decade later, uh, we went to, uh, down to Universal Studios, took my family and we went on a, a vacation, and we went to, uh, they, have, they have 4D rides there. They were like, check out this 4D ride. And I was like, I don't even know what 4D is. And basically, it's a roller coaster with 3D glasses. And it makes you throw up instantly. And um, so I rode one, and I was like, this is not, I quit. I quit 4D. I'm going back old school to 3D. And so uh, dimensions, dimensions 3D, 4D, are simply the different facets of what we perceive to be reality. And so, so the first dimension, first dimension would just be a, a, a link, like a line. Think, think about a line. And now the second dimension is where you get uh, uh, width. And so if you think about a line, but you, then you add a line to it, you can make a, a square. And then, the, and then the third dimension is where we get depth. And so that would be uh, a cube, all right? So if you think about printers, when you print something on paper, you got words that are printed on paper, but now we have these amazing things called 3D printers, and what do they do? They, they'll print like, like whatever thing that you just created, they'll somehow create it in, in 3D. After that, you get into the fourth dimension, and I'm just going off of what I've learned recently here. Fourth dimension is you start to add in the element of time, and then once you get into fifth and sixth dimensions, if there ever is really such a thing, the, the, the idea is that, um, is that there, this is where the, the possibilities of other worlds or other times come into play, and essentially, for the, for the majority of us, our minds just begin to melt, all right? Physicists, some physicists will argue that there's actually ten dimensions, and I'm like, I don't believe you, all right? They'll argue that there's maybe even 10 dimensions. And once you get past like fourth and fifth and sixth, it starts to get crazy. But we might not grasp the concept of all this, but at least we know that there's still more than even just what we, what we see and where we are. And so in regards to peace, Jesus promises a peace that is, that is not just different than the world. But he gives a, a deeper and wider and more expansive understanding than we could ever imagine. And yet... The promise to experience it is still given. You can still experience it. And so I want to do something a little bit different this morning. I want to, I want to map out the, the dimensions of peace or the types of peace, the layers of peace that are promised by Jesus. Jesus promises a peace that's different than the world gives. Paul says it's beyond our understanding, and yet we get to experience it. And so after this, what I'd like is, when we hear the phrase, the season of peace, maybe it'll come across a little bit more as a, as a shock to our system. Just of this outrageous claim, much more so than just this idea of peace being simply like not arguing at Thanksgiving. And so 
Scriptures map out for us these dimensions or these types or these layers of peace. And so I'm going to blaze through so many scriptures. I don't normally do this, but the reason I want to do it is I, I, I want to use this series that we're in of Advent as a foundation, a foundation, a groundwork for us to realize that how far we are removed from last week, from, from real hope that anybody could really offer outside of Christ. How far we are removed from real peace. Like the promise of peace that we're about to go through is so ridiculous, it's so outlandish, it's so outrageous, it's beyond our understanding is what Paul says. And yet, Jesus says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I don't give it like the world gives, but I'm going to give it to you. And you're going to get to experience it initially. Because if we're not careful, we'll, we'll just slide into this Christmas season and we'll go, ah, it's season's greetings. Season of peace, season of hope, and I still hate life. That is not what we expect. That's not what God gives. That's not what God promises. And so we're going to dig in. Uh, here we are, ways of peace given by the Prince of Peace. The first one is this. first one is this. It's so important. It's, oh, it's foundational. Peace with God. Peace with God. Luke chapter 2, this is the birth of Jesus. Beginning of verse 8, there were shepherds living out of the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. What? Peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the Christmas announcement. This is the, the universe is changing in this moment and the promise what they announce in that moment is the foundation of what we believe. What is the promise? It is a promise of peace. It's, it's really a return to the Garden of Eden. After the fall, Adam and Eve have, have fallen into sin, and all of a sudden sin and brokenness makes its way into creation and ekes its way in, and it starts to get into the, the bones of all of creation. And we've all we've known since then is brokenness, strife, violence, incompleteness, unwholeness. We've not known peace. And so the promise of peace is here. It's a return. It's a return to Eden. And it's important because since the fall in Eden, there hadn't been peace. And so look, let me show you this. Colossians 1, Paul says this. This is what, this is what happens. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Here's why Paul says this. Because we were not at peace with God. We weren't at peace with God. We were at war with God. And so realizing that is vital to understanding what it is that Christ has already done. And so how can somebody come and say, hey, I bring you peace, and on the other side, we turn around and go, oh, I thought we were already at peace. I didn't realize we were at war. No, we, gotta, we have to recognize that there, were, there, were, there was issues there. Romans 5 says this, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? So you and I don't have to be at war with God. We don't have to be. He is angry. What does he want? He wants Peace, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting people's sins against them, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Have you ever wondered if, if God had a message for you? If Jesus had a message for you, what would it be? A lot of people that claim to have messages uh, from God or they, they claim to talk for God or they claim to have uh, God's best interests and, and say, look, this is, this, is what, this is what God has to say. But, but, but really, what, what would his message be? His message to humanity right now because of Jesus is simple. And it is peace. It is peace. Ephesians 2 says this. Paul says he came, talking about Jesus. Ephesians 2, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and the rest of us, peace to you who were near. Sorry, I've reversed that. Peace to you, us, who were far away, and the rest of you, peace who were near. So the, the foundational peace, the first dimension, the very bottom line, the base level of what we recognize, the peace that Jesus brings is peace with God. Because guess what? We weren't at peace with God. It wasn't there. It, was, it doesn't matter how many times or how, how good we've felt or how, po how much positive vibes that we've eked our way into. The truth is, is this, is that humanity and God weren't on good terms, but God was determined to change that. And now the promise of peace starts with peace with God. The second one is this, peace with ourselves. Peace with ourselves. Have you ever, have you ever felt like there was a, like you have kind of two, two different days, you, you, two different yous. You have you on a good day and then you on a bad day. You ever, you ever feel like that? You're like, I ah, look, if I start off, if it's a good day, people love me. I, I even kind of like me. But if it's a bad day, y'all better be careful. You ever, you ever felt like that? There's you on a good day, you on a bad day. The Apostle Paul kind of, he, 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 he hints at that same thing. Hints at the same thing. Romans chapter 7 says this. I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what's right, there we are. All right, everybody just found yourselves in the scripture right there. How many of y'all want to do what's right? Most of the time, you're like, yeah, no, seriously, no, most of the time I want to do what's right. Yeah. So half of y'all, good. Y'all are in the right place, the rest of you. I just want you to know. Now, when I discover that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Okay, those of us that just raised our hand that we want to do what's right, yes, there we're back in with the other crew because we're still doing what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. The Apostle Paul, one of the great apostles that we look to, just ended that verse with what a miserable person I am. You ever, you ever failed so miserably and done such wrong that you just turn around and you're like, I, I, I think I'm miserable. I, I just put, I'm miserable with, within myself. Everybody else seems to be fine. I'm miserable within myself. He says this, next passage. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God because of what he does. We have these patterns and we have these addiction, but Jesus rescues us from all of them. Isaiah 53, go all the way back about 750 years. He was 
pierced for, look at this, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us what? Peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. So the peace that Jesus gives and that Isaiah is trying to point to, what's going what's to show up 700 years later, covers, covers all the areas of your life, all four corners of your life. So, so the, the greatest, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Also, as we learn to do that, the promise of peace is given to all four corners of your life. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, your body, your desires, your thoughts, your emotions. It covers peace. The promise of peace covers all of that within ourselves. So you have peace with God. You have peace with ourselves. Third one is this, peace with other people. This is oftentimes what we think about when we think about peace. Here's our third dimension, peace with other people. Ephesians 2 says, he himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Some of y'all have named the holidays. That's what you've named the holidays for you. The wall of hostility. That's what happens when I go home. I can just feel it. Let me just tell you something. The promise of peace isn't just peace between you and God, which is incredible. Not just peace even within yourself, but it's a promise of peace even in the relationships of those around you. The dividing wall of hostility, verse 15, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands, its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself, look at this, one new humanity out of the two, making, thus making peace. And in one body, Christ's body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached, what's his sermon again? What is Jesus' sermon? He came to preach peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Paul goes on to say in, in, in chapter 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Sometimes it's hard to have peace. Sometimes it's hard to have peace between people. It takes effort. It takes work. It is not always easy. How many of you guys would confess? You'd be like, I'm going to be honest with you. I can get along with a lot of people, but there's one. There is one. Can't. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, I actually can't get along with anybody. And you're like, I am the one. <laughs> it, 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 isn't, it, it isn't just you. It is all of us. Peace relationally, though, is a dimension of a promise from Christ to us that is a part of the gift that he came to bring. But it's only found in him. Colossians 3 says this, just talking about the effort given forth. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. If you've lived long enough, maybe you haven't had to live that long at all, but if you've lived long enough, eventually you're going to get to the point where you're going to go, I'm grateful that the Lord has forgiven me. But even what the Lord has forgiven me of isn't as bad as what that person did to me. <laughs> and I would just like to say, that's not true. What God has forgiven us of is the baseline from where all of our forgiveness comes. It's not a, this isn't a sermon on forgiveness. However, our foundation of the relationship that we have with God is based on what God has done for us. 
And it's out of the overflow of that that we even have the capacity, even the ability to offer forgiveness outside of ourselves. Um, after uh, World War II, or during World War II, uh, I love the story of uh, Corey Tim Boone. Corey Tim Boone was a uh, prisoner in uh, one of the concentration camps uh, within the uh, within Germany, and um, she had uh, been sent there along with her sister, and she had rescued a lot of people, had worked to rescue a lot of people during um, uh, World War II, and she had gotten caught and sent to a, a concentration camp, and there were horrible things that had happened, uh, obviously, at the concentration camp, and, and so she came out, and uh, she still loved the Lord and served the Lord, and people came to know uh, Jesus even during that time, and afterwards, she wrote a book, and a lot of people came to know um, Christ through her work, and so decades later, she talks about uh, she had just given a talk to a group, and they, she was at a church, and um, uh, at the end of the at the end of the message, uh, she looked up and saw that there was somebody that was walking toward her. And uh, when when he started to walk toward her, she looked up and she realized that she had recognized the guy. But actually, the 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 guy that was walking toward her was one of the soldiers in the concentration camp that had. Uh, wounded and hurt and abused and even killed people uh, that were in the concentration camp. And all of a sudden, all the, all the memories started to flood over her. And he's coming down. Now, he doesn't recognize her. He doesn't know who she is. But since then, he has come to faith. He's known Jesus. He's received forgiveness. But he still carries the weight of all this with him. And what he wanted to do was come down and speak with her and tell him what the Lord had done in his life. He didn't know who she was, but she knew exactly who he was. And she says, in that moment, she said, I didn't have time to think. All I knew was that with everything within me, I did not want to talk to this man. There was nothing in me that forgave him or cared for him. I did not want any of it toward him. She said, I never, I, I never wanted to see that man again after what had happened. And she said, all I could do as he comes and steps all the way up to me, she said, something within me, all I could do is I lifted up my hand and stuck my hand out to shake his hand. And she said, the moment that his hand entered uh, and connected with my hand, she said, I felt the greatest warmth of God's love and mercy flowing over me, through me, and into him. But it was in the moment that she pulled her hand out and stuck it. That, that kind of forgiveness... That kind of reconciliation, it doesn't come by our effort. It doesn't come from us going, well, I just worked myself up good enough, and now I'm, I think I feel good enough. Now I can, now I can forgive on that level. It, it only comes through Christ. It only comes by recognizing what he's done in us. So God, God, God uh, the, the, the dimensions of peace, the ways, the layers of peace. We have peace with God. We have peace with ourselves. We have peace with others. I'm going to work through, there's a couple others. This is when it gets crazy because this is how the dimensions work when it comes to peace because it's beyond our understanding and it's beyond a lot of ways what we've even experienced. Number four is peace with other nations. Isaiah chapter 2, we read the latter part of this at the beginning. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Many people will come, many peoples will come and say, come. 
Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. This is what he's doing. Listen to this. And then they will beat their swords, their weapons, into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation won't take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Once Jesus is ruling, all the nations learn. All the nations know peace. There's no more displacement. There's no more, there are no more refugees. There's no more fear. There's no more warfare. There's no more abuse. There's, there, there's, there's none of this. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to imagine because there's so many of us that's all we've understood and that's all we've seen. And anytime you, you scroll through uh, social media or you turn on the TV, what do we see? We, we, see, we, we see nations fighting against nations. I, I remember, um, I remember my, my father-in-law tell, telling me how when they would have drills at school, like elementary school drills, um, they would uh, have nuclear war uh, or bomb drills. And the bomb drills, they would run and have to get underneath the, uh, the desks. And so I remember uh, we had different kind of drills. My kids now, um, they don't have bomb drills. They have active shooter drills. And, um, and so they, they learn what to do when an active shooter comes into their classroom. How, how heavy is that one? And so somehow... Somehow there's this promise of peace, another dimension of peace that a lot of us can't even imagine that Jesus promises that there actually will be none of this left. But instead, instead, Jesus reigns. There's no war, there's no displacement, there are no refugees, there, there are none of this. It's, it's Jesus reigns. But even if, even if we achieved peace in all of those four areas, we'd sti- we would still be dying. We're still going to have, you know, animals attack and eat each other. You know, that's just the circle of life, right? Still, there's more tornadoes. There's more disasters. There's more, you know, you got COVID-19. I just said it. Sorry, I said I would never say that word again. Um, there's disease. There's decay. There's death. We can't, how do you, you can't fix that. But scripture tells us of the one that spoke it into existence. How about this? How about this? Peace, number five, peace with creation. Peace with creation. Isaiah 11, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion, the yearling together. A little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, and the waters cover the seas. Does that, does that read kind of foreign? Does that read kind of bizarre to you? That's a promise of peace. That's a promise where Jesus says, I give you peace that, that, that the world can't give, where Paul says it's beyond your understanding. This is the layer of peace. So when we turn around and we go, well, season's greetings, it's a season of peace, just make sure you know what it is that you're saying right there. You're talking crazy talk right here. We're talking the peace that Jesus is bringing that we're expecting and that we're longing for is that every bit of dispute and violence and conflict is gone and done away with. Can you, can you, look, we're so good with our imagination, especially when we're younger. We can come up with such incredible things with our imaginations. Can you just take just a minute and imagine, put your mind in that place, what it would be like? What, what would that be like? 
Number six is this. This is the last one that I have. The last one is peace in heaven. Peace in heaven. There's a language all throughout Scripture shows there's more going on than, than, than what we can see. There's more going on than what we can. There's, there's, there's more going on than what we can see. It's the, uh, it's the picture of, of, uh, of, of Narnia. You, you, you're, you're walking in the back of a wardrobe, and all of a sudden you enter into this other world. And anybody ever seen Narnia? You seen the, the, the one where they're, they're in the, the train station, the train goes by, and all of a sudden you see past the train and through the cliff, and all of a sudden there's this, there's this other world there. Now that's pretty incredible. It's fantastic. But the idea of that, it knew. There's actually, a, there's actually war going on all around. Even there, Jesus brings peace to it. Colossians 1 says this, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in the heavens, by making, there it is, peace through his blood shed on the cross. Ephesians 6, For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly realms. I told y'all it was going to get crazy. When you say this is the season of peace, do we know what we're saying? When we say Jesus promises peace, are we recognizing that we're, we're, we're kind of like we're there? Like this is kind of crazy talk. But that's, but that's the promise. That's what we're believing. That's what, that's what the Lord promises us. Peace over all. God's plan and his, pers- and his purpose is, is always this. This is the outrageous claim of peace that you and I are claiming at Christmas. And so what does that mean? What are the, what are the implications of this? I'll, just, I'll close with this. Implications of this are, the first one is, you, you and I can't achieve really any of this on our own. You and I can't achieve any of this by ourselves. Good luck making peace with all of creation by yourself. Now, we have callings and we have gifts, but we can't, we can't do it on our own. So if you're sitting here and you're going, man, this was a message. This may have been the most impractical message you've ever preached, Joel. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't even, not only can I not reach that, I can't even see it. It's too far out there. No, here's, the, here's, here's good news. The peace that's promised comes from God. It's a promise from 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 God, and and we don't we don't do it our own. However, you and I do need to consider the effort to make peace in the areas that we are in, because that does take work. That does take effort. God hasn't called you to save the world. He's he's done that part, but he has called us to be a part. God doesn't he doesn't work on his own outside of people very often. He uses people. God uses people. Every once in a while. Every once in a while, but most of the time, almost almost 100% of the time, that's how God has chosen to work is through people. Isaiah 2 paints this picture of a blacksmith, and he's, he's beating these weapons, these spears, into tools used for farming. 
So I went, I went, uh, I remember I used to go camping when I was younger, and we'd go to this uh, uh, state campground that would do some of these reenactments. And um, uh, th- there was a, this little blacksmith's shop, and I remember going, and we would watch and learn. Um, you would have other s- schools would come. They'd take field trips there. You'd go camping. They'd just be there. And, they, and you would have this blacksmith, and he's doing uh, uh, blacksmith work. And I remember watching, and I remember, like, how, I just remember how in, intense it was and how much effort it took to make anything <laughs> out of steel. It takes a, it just took a lot of work. He put it in the fire, and then he'd, you know, blow the air thing, and then he'd take the, the iron out, and then, he'd, and then he'd hit it with his hammer, and it's loud, and it's violent. There's sparks going everywhere, and the thing bends, and he sticks it back in the fire, and it heats it back up, and he pulls it back out. This is the picture, this is the picture of what you and I do and what you and I will do in order to make peace that Isaiah gives. He says, in that day, what they're going to do, us, what they're going to do is they're going to take their weapons and they're going to beat those weapons and they're going to reform them into something that gives life and something that reduces. And so the implication for us this morning is that you and I individually we're the ones that have to go home. We're the, we're the ones that have to go to work. And we're the ones that have to go to the store. And we, we take those weapons. And we take those things that we've tended to use. But instead, we turn them into something else. We, we have, we're the ones that have to do the work. And so, well, what do we do? What, what are the weapons that are used right now to tear down? Man, is there anything more destructive right now than our words, than our language, than the words that we use? So we, so we use the same that same mouth that we've used to tear down a coworker, and instead we turn back around and we build up. Man, that takes work, though. That takes work. We take the same, the same ears that we've used to consume gossip that we, we just don't think it's that big of a deal, but it is it's a huge deal. It's a terrible deal. We take those, those same ears, and instead we squash anything around us that isn't life-giving, that doesn't come from the Lord. That takes work. That takes taking those weapons and going, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work on these. We take our tools of warfare and we turn them into something that gives life. We take, we take the sarcasm that we're so brilliant at. Some of you are like, that's my gift. We take that and we go, you know what? I, I don't know if there's anything, I don't know that there's anything life-giving about that. If it's, if it's, so this is confession for me. I, if it's the initial habit of us, the first thing that we do is to hear something somebody says, whether we know them or don't know them. And the first thing we do is, 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 to, is to turn it into sarcasm. Man, I think that's a, that's a check that we need to make on our own heart, that we take our own weapons that we've used and instead turn them and flip them. I just don't know that I've seen Jesus real Fighting and sarcastic in the scriptures. I don't know how I see that. In fact, I, I see the opposite. And so what do we do? We take our weapons. So that's a question for you. What is, what is the weapon of warfare that you have that Jesus is calling you to turn into something that sows seeds of peace? Turns it into a plow. Turns it into something that plants in the ground that sows seeds. Of, we used to sow seeds of division. 
and now we're sowing seeds of peace. What is the weapon in your heart or in your mind or what's in, within you that God is calling you and saying, that, that isn't peace. That isn't a dimension of peace. So can you, get a, can you get a picture in your mind of what God's calling you to, a vision of peace beyond yourself and go, okay, God, here's the deal. If you can help me, if you can help me get there, if you can do it, I'll, I'll step out first. I'll take that step toward it. But I can't, I can't do it on my own. That's the, that's the calling this morning. So I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, if you just close your eyes. taking the tools of warfare and turning them into something else. The promise is the world is searching for peace and you and I can have it in our soul working from the inside out. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd, you'd just say, Joel, when I, hear, when I hear dimensions of peace that are promised, I realize just how much peace I'm missing in my life. My life feels, it just feels fractured. It's, it's missing wholeness. But if Jesus promises peace, then that's what I want. If you're in here and you need peace, whether in relationships, in your home, in yourself, you want, you want that to be your prayer today. I, I need the peace that passes all understanding that only comes from God. If that's you, you just as, a, as an act of confession, I'm not going to have you come up here. Just I'm the only one with my eyes open, me and the Holy Spirit, just as an act of confession to the Lord, would you just raise your hand? I need peace in my life. I need peace. There's, I need peace in my life. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes. He promises peace and He gives peace. Or maybe you're in here and you say, oh, Joel, of all the types of peace, if I'm honest, I, I really, I know I need the first one. I need peace with God. I need peace with God. What's so amazing about that is that God's already taken the first step. He's already done the work. It's our job to receive. So if that's you this morning, you just say, Joel, I need to receive the free gift of peace from God today. I need to make peace with God. I need him to take the brokenness, the sin of my life, remove it out of me, and in its place that Jesus would live there gift of peace. If that's you, I need peace with God. Would you just raise your hand real high and you put it back down? Yeah. Yeah. Father, this morning, how grateful we are to be in this space. God, that we can get begin to glimpse a picture of what it means to receive your peace. A glimpse a picture of what it means of the promise of peace that is here now, but also is one day going to be here. And so in this season of Advent, we look forward to what you've promised. One day it is going to be here totally. But while we wait for that day, God, you've not left us alone. So Father, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this church and the hearts of everyone in this room. God, for those that have lifted their hand today, God, you, you knew when they were on their way here. You knew when they were arriving in this space. Every single circumstance of life that needs peace. And so God, I pray with their confession and with their bold move this morning, God, you, I pray that you would respond by pouring out peace within them. May it boil over in their life. God, re renew maybe, God, a truth of God that they have known and forgotten or maybe that they've never known. God, the peace comes from knowing your truth. God, that you're good, 
you're good, God, and you uh, receive us in love. And so, God, I pray that you would fill us all with your peace. We thank you for it. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was so good. And if you are here last week, you can kind of attest that that merged together. I guess that's what Advent is. But talking about hope, and you move into peace, and peace that is... Um, that, that melds that hope together. It's not all here yet, but it's coming. It's beautiful. So good. Hey, thank you for worshiping with us this morning at Four Corners Church. I'm so glad you are with us. This is uh, good for my soul, and I know good for you too, to be with the body of Christ and to worship and, and realign our perspective. Sometimes during the week it gets hard. You're at work every day. I'm at work every day, and I need you, and uh, you need each other. And so uh, thank you. For being with us. If it's your first time with us at Four Corners Church, I'd love the opportunity just to write you a little note thanking you for being with us. Uh, there are connection cards inside of each of the worship guides on the chairs. And so if you want to take a moment and fill one of these out, you can drop it off in the drop box right before you exit the auditorium. Uh, we'll be able to, to reach out to you to thank you for being with us. There's also a couple of other areas that you can let us know you're interested in information. Uh, there have been some people saying, hey, I have committed my life to Christ. I'm doing things differently, and uh, I, I want to be baptized. If that's you and you haven't let us know that yet, or you have and we haven't been able to connect personally, grab one of us uh, today. We want to, we believe in baptism by obedience, but also by, um, by saying, hey, I want to go public with my faith. I'm, I am dead to that old life, and I am coming alive in Christ. And that is something we as a body, as a church family, we celebrate with you. So if that's you, um, we, we would love to do that as soon as we can. So um, I, I wanted to throw that out as well as any other way that you'd like to reach out to us. Let us know what's going on, how we can give you information. You can do that on uh, the Connect card. Um, for those of you who call Four Corners Church your home, uh, given to God through the local church, you can do that either by uh, cash or check like in person. We've got offering envelopes by that drop box, or you can do that online or by text. Uh, in our Next Steps class, which you can also sign up for on the connection card, we do that every couple of months. And in that Next Steps class, we do offer about 10 plus partnerships and relationships that we've been able to give towards and we partner with um, in our city. And um, those monthly support, those things that we've committed to, those don't get paid accidentally. It's by people giving to the church. It's by those of you who faithfully um, give. And I can say with, um, with conviction, both personally and as we've worked with the church, especially because culture is so spread thin, when you give like this resounding yes to something, oftentimes you're saying no to other things, right? You're saying, yes, God, I'm going to, I'm going to faithfully give. But a lot of times that means you're saying no to something else. And um, when you practice faithfully giving, we're trusting God for his provision. And so uh, what I do love is when you get an eternal perspective, when you pray and say, God, I, I want to give a resounding yes. I want to be a part of this. Give me eternal perspective. We, we view our possessions and our resources very differently. 
when we start to see through his eyes. And I know many of you would say the same thing. You give differently. You, you live life differently because your eternal perspective changes those things. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth about giving, about cheerfully giving and giving in love. He said, I don't want you doing that because you feel obligated or because it's some legalistic thing. I want you to give because it's part of, of love. It's the heart of the giver. In fact, you remember in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, I can give everything I have to the poor, but if I don't do it in love, then it absolutely meant nothing, you know? Um, but I love this. He ends in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The giver, God, makes the giver, us, capable of giving. He supplies it. He says he supplies the seed and he supplies the bread. He supplies the giver the ability to give. And uh, there's more than just giving as an act of grace. Giving is um, giving is planting seed. You talked about planting seed. We get to be a part of the process that God is doing. And I think I just get overwhelmed often. Sometimes I go, man, uh, you know, we're, we're giving, we're, we're giving, but God goes, no, you're giving and I have an eternal perspective. I have so much more. And I get overwhelmed because I'm like, I get to be a part of that. What a cool thing. So I want, sorry, that was a whole long thing, but I wanted to say <laughs> thank you to those who give. You're giving to something far bigger than what you can even see now. And I want you to remember that. He is the one who, who supplies. He provides it all. And we're able to give uh, because he has given. He gave first. And so I just want you to know we're grateful. We're so grateful that we're able to reach our city uh, because of, of your faithful giving. Amen. Hey, will you guys stand up with me? I want to pray for you on our way out. We... Um went uh, a little long today because I like to talk. So, uh, hey, I want to pray for you. Would you do this? Would you, would you hold your hands out? And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. We'll see you all this next week.